everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of the Behold Podcast on the Genre Equality channel. My name is Hitzer. I'm Hadi. I'm Aisa. And this week, uh, we're glad to be back to talk about FX's gripping Cold War spy thriller, mm-hmm. The Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, through five seasons of this show, this journey of KGB agents posing as a suburban American family grew to become not just a phenomenally thrilling and also accurate uh, depiction of spycraft, but in general, one of the best family dramas of the prestige TV era. Mm. Um, I'm excited to talk about this because this has been one of my favorite shows and one of the more underrated shows from the quote-unquote golden age of TV, aka the peak TV era, <laughs> when you know shows like Mad Men and Breaking Bad and stuff like that were all around. Yeah. I thought the Americans kind of slipped under the radar. I thought Kerry Russell and Matthew Reese should have gotten, you know, Emmys for their work here. Mm-hmm. So did the writing team. So did the directing team. Um, and just one of the unheralded gems uh, in an era where there was so much TV to watch that even a show as good as the Americans couldn't get your attention. Um, so, you know, now with all that's going on with, uh, you know, Russia in the world again, I figured now it's a good time uh, to again talk about the Americans. Um, did either of you catch the Americans when it was... Uh, currently airing like, as opposed to you know now that it's on Disney Plus and you can binge it uh, yeah I caught it first head up when it first came out because you know I always like all this spycraft stuff mm. yep, so yep. when it first came out way in back in what's the year that it came out Ooh. 2013 2013 yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I still remember yeah. I just graduated you know looking for a job and like the Americans <laughs> were like this like come home and watch kind of TV that time like. I think it was on FX is it it's a, it was on FX, yes, yeah. yes. Currently on Hulu slash Disney Plus, but it, we were watching it on FX back in the day. Yeah, so that's how I remember that because you know FX was churning out like beauties, right? Back then. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Atlanta, The Shield, you know, like lots of great stuff yeah. on FX. So. so because of that kind of reputation, I was like, oh, okay, this is a cool show. And the first episode got me hooked already. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, what about you, Isa? Did you did you watch it through the first five seasons? Ooh, no, I did not. Uh, I only caught like the couple of episodes when it debuted. I think it was mm-hmm. because Hardy r- recommended it to me. Sounds like it, yeah. Uh, right. You know, but like because I didn't quite have like access to FX. Uh, mm-hmm. I it was something that I caught like maybe the first three episodes and then it kind of dropped off for me. So I'm mm. glad to have finally finally caught up after so many years. Yeah, yeah. It it used to be that we DVDs were the second life of shows. You know, um, like The Wire, for example, famously only became popular once the DVD box sets were out and people were able to binge it. Nobody like, watched it live. Mm-hmm. Um, now in the streaming era is the new. Uh, lots of shows like The Americans, I think, Justified and stuff like that are getting a new lease on life because they're now streaming on Disney Plus and getting a wider audience because of it. Yeah. Um, I'm just sad that um, you know, the Americans can't be renewed. La. Um, <laughs> I mean, weirdly enough, like Justified is getting another season now uh, oh, no. because there's been such a, a, a great... Um, uh, they, had, they, have, they have good ratings on Disney Plus and Hulu. So yeah. they're like, let's, let's make a new Justified and I, I'm down <laughs> for that too. La. So there's mm. a new Justified coming next year. I'm not sure how Justified plays in the era of you know, um, lots of police shootings. Yeah. Uh, is it cool anymore? But but that could be part of the story, you see. Like so, I mean, I'm... Justified has that one thing going for it was where it was set in. Mm. Yeah, yeah, which kind of okay with police shootings. 
sorry. I know, I know. And and like Raylan didn't really shoot any black people, so I he think didn't. it was cool. Yeah, it was mostly yeah. He white just, criminals he... that he shot. <laughs> the first the first guy he shot on the show was a white supremacist. Exactly. So, you know, um, Boyd, Boyd Crowder, like, famously. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, we're, we're getting sidetracked with other FX shows. Uh, Justify is great, though. You guys should watch it. Um, anyways, before we begin this episode and our discussion on the Americans, um, I recently signed up to a new streaming service called Mubi, and I gotta tell oh, you guys about it. Okay. Um, I think in this day and age, right, there's, there's no getting around it. There are a ton of streaming services out there. Um, in fact, one could say there are too many. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there are all the niche streamers, you know, there's Roku and Fire TV and all of that, and then there are the majors. Mm-hmm. Um, your Amazons, your Netflixes, your Hulus, your Disney Pluses, your Apple TV. Um, there's so much content to watch yeah. that I was like, do I really need another streaming service in my life? But And then I found out about Mubi and, and, and the Mubi streaming service came into play. And if you've never heard of the service before, well, you're in for a real treat. Um, everything from this their collection of movies, um, it's expensive, but it's not overwhelming Mm -hmm. and the thing that makes movie different from your netflix or your amazon or your hulu is that its library seems to be catered more towards art house cinema it is it is a streaming platform that feels more like a film community Mm -hmm. than a collection of movies uh generated by an algorithm they have a a big collection of classic cult and art house titles Uh And it makes the platform a must for cinephiles like mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. or those who just want a curated list of some of the best movies out there. You know, on streaming platforms, like when you're looking for the best movies on Netflix, you will find kind of libraries that are catered towards everyone. You know, like um, if you want to find sitcoms, you can find it. If you want to find cheesy Michael Bay films, you can find it. Uh, but movie on the, on, the, on the other hand, right, takes a more specialized approach to his film uh, curation and offers the best uh, that the world of cinema has to offer. Um, oftentimes underrated or underseen films, uh, stuff that you go to out of your way to go to the projector to, to find, you know, mm-hmm. and stuff that won't be available on your larger streaming services. Um, and he has all this to offer while also in- introducing its subscribers to lots of hidden gems and forgotten classics from all around the world, from Africa to France and everywhere in between. Um, this just because it's curated the movie, it doesn't mean that movie doesn't encourage exploration. Quite the contrary. Like when I first signed up to the service, I started browsing various categories, you know, and I found uh, video essays by by some of the editors, you know, the, the in-house editors, and it introduced me to three hours of watching different stuff from Sweden to Poland to Finland and and stuff that I've never heard of from the 40s and 50s and 60s and how, you know, a lot of these films tend to be uh, overshadowed, I guess, by some of the larger Hollywood fare uh, that we are inundated with these days. And and one of the coolest features on movie is also their film of the day section, which introduces a new title to the streaming library every day of the week. And the new editions range from movies released uh, within the past couple of years to those going back decades and more than half a century in some cases. Uh, each of these movies come with descriptions, trailers, information on the cast and crew, mm-hmm. and articles. Articles. Ah. Like, they actually have editorials about the film's significance and other commentary. And that's what sets it apart from your Netflix or your Amazon that, or your Hulu. It sounds Plus. super useful. Yes, right. You don't have to like look up your wiki or the IMDb right. or whatever 
or look up external uh, sites for analysis on the themes of these films. Mm-hmm. It's all provided in-house. Um, and the experience is even better when you imagine movie, uh, when you imagine movie uh, like some sort of art house theater that is right within your home. You know? mm-hmm. um, it has this very vast library. Like I said, classic cult and art house films. There's documentaries. Nice. Lots to catch up on. So I would definitely encourage you to sign up uh, to movie. Um, there's there's a lot of good stuff happening on movie right now, especially um, currently in the month of August, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's a kind of a, a special month for us in Southeast Asia. Um, Singapore, Malaysia, and Indonesia are all respectively celebrating the national days yeah. uh, in the month of August. So, movie thought that it would be kind of the perfect time to put together a collection of movie uh, of movies <laughs> that embody the spirit of Asian independence. Um, and that's where I would like to kind of shout out Mubi's wonderfully curated uh, Viva Nusantara campaign, oh, wow. which cherry picks 10 festi- fantastic films that reflect kind of the ideas of strength, unity, and bravery within an Asian context. So um, if you want to check more about the Viva Nusantara campaign out, you can go to the Mubi website itself, mm-hmm. or you can read my article on Popwire where I talk about all 10 of the films that, uh, that were curated for Viva Nusantara. There is stuff like Salam Bombay from India. There's stuff from Singapore, like I Want to Go Home. Um, a film called Manila from the Philippines was a, a, a favorite of mine. Um, Ashes of Time, Redux, Wong Kar Wai's Wuxia Epic that remains kind of underseen mm-hmm. uh, is on there as well. Uh, of course, you can't do like a, a list like this without like um, at least one mainstream title. And I think you know what I'm talking about. Gandhi is it. Uh, if you want to talk about independence, you know, Gandhi is the film too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For, yeah. For, for so we're talking India, about you know. Yes, we were talking about the classic Ben Kingsley film, David Attenborough and all of that, you know? Uh, yes, um, and, and, and we all have seen that. Um, so yeah, uh, go check out Viva Nusantara for their amazing collection of 10 uh, films that celebrate Asian independence. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, go sign up to movie uh, itself. Uh, it, there's a 30-day free trial. If you don't like it, you know, you can just cancel at any time at no cost to you. So great stuff there you know nice. um i don't know if either of you have been familiar with movie b- prior to like me kind of uh, shouting it out right now no i oh. mean this is my first time hearing about it yeah uh yeah. sorry just yeah. just i know this sounds weird but can you yeah. spell movie m-u-b-i okay yeah just double checking on it com. Yeah. Uh, well i i i'm not familiar i think i've seen it around but at the moment i'm just scrolling through the just the scrolling through the stuff that they have and i'm already very impressed. Actually. Yeah, me too. I love that they have all these like curated lists, uh, mm. and and that has like a ton of stuff of film that I've always put somewhere I'm gonna watch, but never went, never really got watched. around it, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, movie in some ways is a little frustrating for a journalist like me because it is my job to curate collections from all these vast libraries. And just movie has taken it out of my hands, man. Like, I'm, I'm out of a job because of movie. <laughs> if, if, if other streaming services are doing this, I think I'm going to be in trouble. Yeah. I can yeah. work for movie. <laughs> that, that, that's true, guys. <laughs> yeah, we can all work for movie. Um, and speaking of which, movie actually has their own podcast too. So oh, nice. Yeah, they're putting, it as, putting us people like us out of business. <sighs> that's fine. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, go check out for movie. Um, it's cheap and it has a great collection of films there. Okay. Um, anyways, let's, let's jump into our main topic right now, the Americans, as we've been talking about. Uh, so what is the Americans? Uh, let me pitch it to you. Um, it follows Philip and Elizabeth Jennings, played by Matthew Reese and Kerry Russell, uh, respectively. 
They are a prototypical American couple living in the suburbs of Virginia who, on the surface, appear perfectly normal. Mm -hmm. Their most exciting attribute happens to be that they live next door to a very seemingly bland FBI agent, Stan Beeman, uh, played by the wonderful Noah Emmerich, mm -hmm. um, along with the fact that they're actually, in secret, covert Soviet spies. <gasps> living deep undercover in the United States for the last 15 years in order to turn the balance of the Cold War in their favor. Um, no one in their ordinary life, not even their young kids, their biological children, Paige and Henry, even they don't have the slightest inkling that their parents are KGB spies, you know. Um, by day, they are managers of a modest travel agency. Um, yeah, this takes place in the 1980s. Uh, the travel agencies were a thing back then. You know, <laughs> there was no kluk or whatever. Um, and the Jennings kind of spend every minute of their free time embarking on various spy missions to infiltrate their chosen marks, gather information, occasionally kidnap or even assassinate a target of extreme political importance. Mm -hmm. um, like many other brilliant shows on the peak TV era or that or they are currently on the air, you know, the tension that derives uh, from the show feels like a slow motion car crash, you know, seeing how much our protagonists will compromise their morals. The Americans really puts the screws on Elizabeth, who's kind of the true blue patriot of the two, mm -hmm. whereas Philip is Philip is far more of the reluctant secret agent between them, sort of kind of buying into American idealism at the longer that he lives there. Mm -hmm. uh, but the show's secret weapon is how their initial attempts to coldly work together for the cause of Mother Russia eventually give way, opening up the story into one about spycraft, yes, while also trans uh, transforming their work marriage, you know, their, their assigned marriage, which was largely loveless in the beginning, mm -hmm. into something that kind of resembles a true marriage of romance mm -hmm. and, uh, and that's full of meaning, you know. Um, so yeah, um, let's begin with Hardy, who, who, who has caught this show from way back in the beginning, you know. What, what, what do you think makes the Americans so special through its five seasons? I think how they seamlessly blend two very distinct storylines. The, yeah. the, the KGB storyline, right? Mm -hmm. the, the spycraft and all that stuff. And honestly... A family drama on the yeah. other side and you know and how those two like totally separate things because you know they, they, they keep their life separate and all that slowly how it collides like, by the end of the, the series you know mm -hmm. and I think this was beautifully done throughout uh, the entire five seasons uh, yeah. and that struggle you could really see how they struggle to maintain that home life you know where, where they try to raise their children right uh, they try to to, to you know it's so weird because, you know, how they, they have to instill some American values into their kids. So that they're believable, right? Their children are believable. Exactly. But at the same time, yeah. they despise <laughs> capitalism, you know, like especially Elizabeth, right? A religion as well. Other aspects yeah, of American yeah. culture. Exactly, yeah, yeah. you know. And then how they have to... But how they still find a compromise, you know, like, uh, you know, how they find the compromises, how they find uh, solutions to very unique situations. Mm -hmm. That's those kind of things that really like hooked me in. Uh, there was yep. never an easy answer most of the time. Yeah. Mm. Every problem had uh you, you you had to compromise or you had to sacrifice something. Either yourself or even someone. You know? Yeah. No mission uh, because the missions that they were given were very uh, first of all difficult. You know? Yeah. There's nothing easy. It was always infiltration, it was always uh, you know, uh, 
all this spycraft of such high levels and all that, that you could see that humanity like slowly being stripped away. Yeah. Especially in the main characters, especially with Philip. Uh, <laughs> you know, by the time the fourth season comes around and all that, he's such a changed character from when we yep. saw him at the beginning, that kind of thing. And it's true for people like Stan, you know, who 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 sees like who becomes more and more paranoid because you know mm. all the you know everything that he tries always turns to shit. Yeah, you know? the, the 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 new Hank Trader. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> like he was being uh, counted on every single level. You know that until you know I, I mean we can talk about it later, but like Stan's character also yep. goes through this beautiful like uh, you know beautiful arc lah. So yeah. that was something. All this, yeah, it was a very character-driven show that really caught my attention because everybody had beautiful arcs, even like minor characters also. You know, like Nina, like uh, Oleg mm. in, uh, later on, you know. Mm. Yeah, even to like the secretary. Martha? Martha, yeah. Who, yeah. who had a really, really strong arc. Yeah, is it Martha or Margaret? I keep forgetting. Martha. Martha Hansen. Martha. Yep. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, 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 Um boy, yeah, what a what a great character too, man. Yep. Um I, I Martha honestly throughout the entire show is the character I felt the worst. Me too. <laughs> yeah, I felt so yeah. sad um, for her. I was like not invested in her at all, but I continually felt bad for her. Same. Uh right up to the end. Um what about you, Isa? Now that you're fully caught up with the Americans, what do you think about the show in general? Oh man. I I think I did have the benefit of binging it, right? Mm. Uh and the main kind of draw for me, kind of from the onset is that the Americans is just a masterclass in pacing and tension holding, mm. right? Uh, much like Hardy has already mentioned, right? Like, you have kind of have these two um, somewhat distinct uh, genres that they're trying to merge here at the same time, right? And there's just so much going on at any given point in time, you know? Yep. Uh, and I think the showrunners did a fantastic job of, like, making sure that you keep all of those balls uh, up in the air at the same time, right? And giving them just enough atten- attention for it to be present somewhere in the back of your mind as you're watching the show, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, knowing that it could possibly drop off at any one point in time, despite the fact that what's on screen, what's happening in the moment uh, might be a yeah. totally different ball, right? Um, yeah. And like, to be able to do that for one season is an achievement. To be able to do that consistently over six seasons is mm-hmm. insane. Yeah. Um, so I really, really enjoyed that part of it, right? Like, it's one of those shows that's very hard to stop <laughs> binging. Because, mm, yep. like, it always ends on a note that uh, promises more than next episode, right? Mm. Uh, and then, yep. of course, you get even bigger cliffhangers uh, from season to season. So, like, mm-hmm. that was a big, big draw for me, right? It's very hard to kind of, like, remove yourself, which is why, like, I essentially binge all... Uh, all of the seasons like in a matter of weeks you know mm-hmm. uh, yes, which is yeah. which is kind of nuts. so I, I I can't speak to how it felt like to wait for this week to week uh, I think it would have been one of those shows that I would be constantly kind of like obsessing over just because like you know it's on my mind until the next episode comes out mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but that was a big part of my enjoyment for it uh, also just the attention to detail when it came to character building um, and having such a great kind of like I mean, six seasons is a long runway for you to, to craft your characters, you know. Uh, but from mm. the onset, the characters were already interesting, at least the main ones. Uh, and then that sort of evolved into this very high amount of investment, emotional investment from my end, just to see what happens to them. Mm. Uh, whether or not yes. I agreed with what they did, whether or not I liked them as people was not... Um, 
as important as like finding out what happened to them and how the story resolve and, and what ball eventually drops, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, those were the like main kind of points for me for the Americans. Yeah, yeah. Um, I agree with everything that you guys have just said, like, but but one thing that really stuck out to me and make it made it different for a spy show, in my opinion, was that it totally changed the game um, in terms of depicting spycraft in uh, fictional media. Mm. Uh, when you think about spy movies, you think about James Bond, James Bond the Born <laughs> Identity, Mission the Impossible. Mission Impossible franchise, which are all great franchises. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy them a lot, you know. And then on TV, back in the day, you had like, you know, the Avengers. I'm not talking about, you know, Marvel's Avengers. I'm talking about, you know, the British Avengers. Yeah. Uh, the Man from Uncle, Get Smart. Modern day, we have stuff like Blind Spot or Blacklist or the most, you know, unbelievable of them all, 24. Mm. Um, <laughs> all, all of these are shows that I enjoy. Like, don't, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. you know. Um, these shows are happy to offer only the frills and suspense that are inherent to the genre, you yeah. know. But this feels like a new breed of show that actually accurately depicted the process of spycraft. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about the character development, which is correct. The action, which is really good. The acting, which is really good. Um, Joe Weisberg, who creates the show, has the, a peculiar knack for dropping um, unusual 80s hits into the show. You know, it's stuff that like, you know, um, you know other shows like Strange... Other shows like Stranger Things would pick like more popular songs and they would pick like kind of hidden gems mm. for it. I love all of that. But the thing I loved the most was its attention to detail with the spycraft. Mm. We've never seen spycraft done this accurately um, and this meticulously before. Like what was it like to really be a spy back in the 80s during the Cold War? Um, you know, there are all these reaction channels. Like GQ famously does this, you know, uh, Doctor oh, yeah. Reacts to Grey's Anatomy or whatever, right? Mm. You know. And you got they got um a, a genuine CIA counterintelligence guy to watch the Americans, and he essentially said that like I can't find really any flaws in this. Yeah. Are some aspects embellished? Yeah, Have but these up. are, but these were the actual techniques. Yep. These were the actual things that spies used to do back in the day. You know, do um classified ads, the wigs, the dead drops, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it was all for the most part, very, very accurate, you know. It, this is, the show played to me, I, I was watching this along the same time as, as 24 and Homeland. Yeah. And you can just imagine how different the Americans is from Homeland or 24. <laughs> or Blacklist. They are very, very different shows, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, the others feel almost cartoonish compared to the Americans. You know? um, did, did you guys get the feeling as well? Uh, what about you, Aisa? Uh, for sure. I, I I mean, much like Hardy and yourself, like Spycraft is something I've been interested in since I was a kid. Like, I used to go to the library mm. and borrow books about, you know, Spycraft, about dead drops, about these like hidden recording devices that they used to use and all of that. So uh, watching the Americans, it's like feeding feeding the child inside of me. It's like, oh, I get to see like all these like things and how they actually work instead of like just like a theoretical understanding of them that I read from a book. Right, um, mm. and it's it's kind of insane, um, just how much there is to remember at any given point in time, right? Uh, whether it's from you know um, the fact that when they have a phone call, everything that they say is kind of like coded because you never know who's listening, you know, yep. uh, the dead drops are sure and all of that, but just like it's the social engineering part that blows mm. me away, right? Mm-hmm. For one, uh, for I mean, we two people essentially we see who are masters of their craft in just finding the ways to manipulate people uh, and and get what they want, right? And very oftentimes, it's like uh, one degree or two degrees points of separation from the actual source of the information itself, 
Um, mm-hmm. So it makes that like extremely clever. I mean, I I was reading that uh, Joe Weisman, uh, Weisberg was a CIA agent. Uh, um, and that's like kind of like where he's drawing uh, a lot of like his understanding of of the spycraft from. So mm-hmm. like as far as we know, it's legit, right? Uh, yeah. If there's only one thing, like to me at the beginning, I was just like, that isn't really that great of a disguise, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But as time went on, and then you start to realize that we don't actually pay that much attention to how a person how people exactly look exactly. Mm. So every time like a sketch came in, right, and I look at the sketch as like, you know what? Honestly, I could have I I would have believed that that sketch was what we saw as opposed to like what me as an audience member saw on the uh, saw yeah. on the screen, right? Yep. Like, like that's totally believable because you're only gonna focus on their hair, what they were wearing. You know, and all of that glasses, glasses. mustache, things things that could be faked, though. You know, yeah. yeah. And like it, it blew my mind. Like in a, in that moment, right? I was just like, oh no, but I totally know it's still you know Matthew Rice or it's still, um, Elizabeth, Carrie yeah, Carrie Russell in the in 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 disguise. But like, honestly, honestly, like it totally worked. Uh, and that was something that as the seasons went along, I was just like, yeah, these these two in particular are insanely talented at what they're mm. doing, right? Even, like, um, little things like, you know, what you're wearing in the event that you need to kind of, like, run away mid-operation, yeah. right? Like, wear a, uh, a colorful jacket that you can toss later on. Yep. Change your hat and all of that that kind of stuff. It's just like, wow. Ooh, that really scratched uh, an itch for me yep. uh, when it came to that. Like, just the amount of it and the execution of it that is so lovingly kind of like displayed and 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 mm. performed uh wow that really hit the spot yeah yeah um i found like a lot of the criticisms with the americans tend to have to do with its pacing or its process orientation mm. um similar criticisms um you know have been levied at like better call Saul, yeah. for example because they spend inordinate amount of time <laughs> showing you what needs to be done yeah. and how to do it mm-hmm. you know yeah. And I think people who are not into process and would rather get you know straight into the frills uh, and frills and the action and all of that might find the show boring. Um, Hadi, did you get the impression? Did, were were you bored by like the spycraft elements of it or the process of it, or did you dig it as much as the uh, the two of us did? Oh man, okay. First of all, I'm a huge <laughs> like Robert Ludlum fan. Yeah, yeah, right. Yes. I I know that about you. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. So I mean the books, right? So I read all his books and all that. So spy stuff and all that number one and like so I always knew what I mean from all the books that I read from Latlam and all that even though it's exaggerated and all that Spycraft was something that he really like seriously does very well mm. and when I saw the saw this being done in real life you know like you know how Bond Identity totally destroyed what Latlam created like you know with all the the, the, the choppy cam and all that bullshit right mm-hmm. mm. like to see that beauty of the Spycraft being done so elegantly you know Mm. You know, with the, yep. the changing of the cars, you know, the marking of the 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 male the the the, the what the the, the male the beams mailboxes, and all that yeah. the mailboxes, mm. like mm-hmm. and like you know, uh, the sleight of hand required to like pass notes and all that stuff. It's mm-hmm. it's just so it's a drama in itself. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. So no, I was not bored. A hundred percent, I was into it. Uh, that got me, and I mean. But I think one of the things that also got my heart racing was how close the FBI got oh, all man. the time. Like they yeah. were just two steps away. Yeah. You yeah. know, almost all the time. And 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 it was just amazing at how close they got to the Jennings. 
Yeah, know? yeah. You know that that's what great. Uh, I I think at, at the end of the day, right? Something about spycraft or cat and mouse games with criminals and stuff like that. It's all about the tension, like yeah. the cat and mouse chase. You know yeah. exactly. And what is important with shows like this? Um, I could say the same about Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. I could say the same about Justified or whatever, right? Um, it's that your protagonists and your antagonists need to be equally competent. Yes. Um, and this is where like your your favorite character, Stan Beeman, comes mm-hmm. in, Hardy. Um, <laughs> it, it, Stan Beeman could easily have been made out to be incompetent or not good at his job or got problems or whatever. The issue with that face Philip and Elizabeth was not that he lived next door, but that Stan Beeman was as good as as they were. Yep. He is an equally skilled counter-intelligent operative, uh, counter-intelligence operative, as skilled as Philip and Elizabeth were. And he was so close to them so many times in a way that Hank Schrader was um, competent and was so close close to Walter White all the time. Yeah, yeah. In in the way that, like, you know, um, w- what we recently saw with, like, Lalo versus Gus on Better Call Saul. Yes. Like, two people, like, on equal levels, like, titans of the game mm. uh, fighting each other, you know. Um, and, and that was really great, too. Um, the show also offered... Um, I think um, sneakily offered like some good education into the geopolitics of the 1980s, yeah. and it's not just U.S. versus Russia. Nope. It is um, um, USSR allies. Um, what was happening over in Afghanistan? What was happening uh, in Africa, in Latin America? Yep. Um, there, there was even an ep- episode focusing about um, uh, Jewish uh, Jewish Russians, you know, trying to um, uh, find asylum in Israel mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, these these were all like quite elegant um edutainment pieces mm. uh that, that didn't feel like it was beating you over the head with a with a lesson yeah um but when it comes down to it i think the show is kind of focused on on like like a, a very elaborate complex morale, morality play. Yeah. The, the, the show is focused on doing what is right or what someone believes to be right, right. Yeah. um patriotism and honor to country is it paramount over all else? Mm-hmm. Um, at times, that ideology circumvented over what was morally good, uh, leading to some miserable murders that haunted Philip yeah. infinitely more than it faced Elizabeth, who kind of shrugged <laughs> it off most of the time. Um, Philip, I mean, for the most part, he kind of sometimes he the way that he wears the weight of what he's been doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he sometimes he did stares into space. Sometimes his outbursts at his children. Oh. Uh, were horrific yeah. and a reminder of the horrors of his work and how those horrors wear itself uh wear itself on you mm-hmm. you know wears you down to a nub mm-hmm. you know sacrificing his core well past to the bone you know um Reese plays these scenes beautifully um um a subtlety to even a harrowed glance to his partner in crime yeah. you know saying more than any word could mm-hmm. uh Philip's resolve was a question that plagued most of the first season. Uh, leaving him to be far more bottled up and emotionless in the middle seasons mm-hmm. before learning to open up and eventually let go of that life for good at the end of the fifth season. Yep. Um, so it was a very, very beautifully crafted character arc for him. Um, everything Matthew Reese dies, I think. I, I, I think Carrie Russell gets most of the attention, and she should, yep. but Matthew Reese is a bit underrated too in the show. Agreed. Um, one particular scene where he was um, screaming at Paige for over the Bible. Oh, uh, yes. you, guys remember yes. this? Yeah. you fear God, you should fear me. You know, <laughs> yeah, that, wow, that, that was, was so scary. That was one of the scariest things I've ever seen. <laughs> oh man, but like on the flip side, you know, you got like that Elizabeth's icy demeanor, you know. She has this like endless determination. Yeah. Um that the show found its kind of second way into the perspective. We didn't get this perspective from Philip and we got that from Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She never flinches. She never looks away from any work that the center would ask of her, yep. leaving her sometimes 
a vulnerable monster who only gave small hints of humanity, but Russell would hold it back and play it like a burden rather than a tree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Beeman and the FBI um, were always on the cusp of catching them, or on the cusp of something bigger, something at times that felt like it was on the fringes of, for, for most of the series run, right? Yep. Always like on the edge of the Jennings' vision. Yeah. He was always on the periphery. Um, the early goings were closing in on what was dubbed the couple, right? There's yeah. these sketch renditions of Philip and Elizabeth in disguise, while also investigating the inner workings at the Residentura, the Russian mm-hmm. embassy. Um, Nina Krivlova, uh, a KGB officer working out of the Residentura, was, was part of this. Yes. Or like Burov was part of this, head of technology yep. and science and intelligence for the KGB when we first meet him, mm-hmm. yeah. who grew from secondary character to a large and yeah. important figure in the end game of the series. Exactly. Um, there's also the issue of Stan's partner being murdered by Philip in season oh. one. Um, for catching him at Marfa's, you know, and that's left in the air for many seasons. Yeah. The leads and efforts of the FBI let down avenues that could be frustrating due to their dead ends or the labyrinth manner that at times felt like they were not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. But that was because sometimes that's how investigations go. It felt very real in that way. Not everything can be uncovered at a drop of the hat yeah. or solved at the end of the episode like Law and Order. And when looking back on it, this is a commendable move on the part of the writers, yeah. you know. Um, and I haven't even talked about the Jennings children, but we'll, we'll save that for later. Yeah, right, sure. you know? um, I, I kind of run down some of the primary players outside of the Jennings children. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, let's begin with you, Aisa. You know, like, who are some of the, the primary or secondary characters that stood out to you and why do you love them? Ooh, uh, I was really interested in Nina's story at the beginning. Oh, man. Uh, Nina's great, yeah. yeah. And I, I did think that it was nice of them to, in, uh, to include... Uh, later on in the story, right after she's kind of like deported back and in in jail, like I enjoyed that, but that felt a bit filler to me, right? What? Because mm-hmm. one of uh, in the sense that uh, mm. I really loved them exploring that story, but there uh-huh. were parts of her relationship with both Oleg and Stan uh-huh. that over time felt like it wasn't as. Uh, um, it, it felt like it dropped off. You know what I mean? Like, there's this scene later on in, later on in season five, I think, where Oleg and Stan re-meet each other. Obviously, that's season six. And uh, Oleg asked, oh, do you ever think about her anymore? Right? Um, mm. And that was, like, kind of very telling because, like, at that point in time, there's so many things going on in their lives at that point. Right? Uh, uh-huh. And Stan has a bit of, like, this bland look where he realizes that he actually hasn't really thought about Nina at all. Yep. And it was the same way for me. You know? Uh, but like Nina feels unique in this, uh, in the space of the of the series, much like Martha feels unique in the space of the series because mm. uh, they are both caught up, right? Uh, in the way, and while Nina makes decisions to further herself within this situation she finds herself in, Martha is the complete opposite. Uh, in that, like, eventually it catches up with her despite her finding mm-hmm. out and then like completely yeah. takes her out of the picture and into a, a kind of like a brand new life. Uh, yeah. You know? So I think like those two in particular really kind of stand out to me uh, just because like it's one of those, you know, it, they're collateral damage, right? Or at least it feels like they're collateral damage in kind of like the ongoing battle between these two superpowers. Uh, yep. in, and you can see that in a very kind of like human and very personal way with uh, how they a- actually end up. Yep, yep, yep. Um, what about you, Hardy? Like, uh, you want to talk about Stan Beeman? You want to talk sure. about Arcady? Uh, I mean, 
Oleg was one of my favorite characters by the end of Oleg too. Mm. Yes, mm. yeah. Like that dude went through a awesome arc. Like when he first came on, you're like, this guy is a piece of shit, man. <laughs> he was kind of annoying. Yeah, he yeah. was useless. In, you know. In, yeah. He was like a uh a, a high uh, because his father was in the polyboot role and all that. Like therefore, he got like you know a cushy job in America. The bit of a white horse. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And then so you know, yeah. and we know that kind of people in Singapore, right, in our lives also. Mm. So yep. like. I was like, yeah, just because your dad is important, you know, therefore you... But then he actually has certain values. He's a, he has certain, like, uh, principles behind him, you know, giving him that spine. La. And mm-hmm. that 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 grows as the seasons go on, la, you know, especially in 4, 5, and 6. Um, the whole Nina story, I'm, I mean, I really actually enjoyed that part. Mm. Especially yeah. that relationship between Oleg and Stan. Yeah. You know, yeah. when they meet together and, you know... <laughs> Stan actually because of Oleg's uh, naivety la, Stan actually mm. recorded him yeah mm. you know and that you know backfires uh, I mean not backfires but that eventually comes to hit in, in the future seasons when Oleg goes back to Russia yeah mm-hmm. um, however Nina's I mean no spoilers here right? I guess Nina's execution <laughs> mm-hmm. yes right, yeah was one of the saddest moments yeah of the series for me like I mean it, it's not it's it was kind of I guess she kind of, uh, you know, didn't want to help the USSR anymore. Mm-hmm. And if I think she, she was supposed to get the info out of the scientists, right? Yeah. 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 And then she did refuse to do it. Then therefore, like, bye-bye. You're no more useful. You're not useful to us anymore. Yes. Yeah. Just like that, she's disposed of, you know, because, you know, of her trend, uh, you know, and because of her treasonous past. Like. However, like for Marta, you know, her becoming, you know, defecting to the USSR unwillingly, right? Yeah. Is held to a higher regard. You know, like, in the end, like, she got to adopt a kid. You know, that was the one mm-hmm. thing that she actually wanted. You know, she didn't want to mm-hmm. be alone, you know, and all that. And now she has a kid, lah. Yeah. yeah. Like, good for her, lah, you know. And the USSR actually really took care of her, lah. Mm. You know? uh, which was sad, lah, to see that, that dichotomy between, like, uh, uh, Nina's fate and uh, Marta's fate yeah you know this America but I mean she she really helped uh, Philip so much you know <laughs> like if without her a lot of the things uh, wouldn't pass uh, you know they wouldn't have the information yeah, that yeah. they needed to another smaller character that I actually really enjoyed the arc of was Frank Gatt Mm. Yeah, uh, the, the 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 first uh, FBI the hit la, of counterintelligence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, the the boss like the boss, the boss like yeah, and how like, he got yeah. beaten up by himself <laughs> <laughs> in season three or something, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody gets beaten up by Elizabeth but at one time or another, lah. So like, I don't agent. hold against him. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, Elizabeth is just. She, she, Terminator Black la, Widow. Basically. She just Black Widow's people. Yeah. yeah, she's a beast. Uh. Yeah, she's the original Black Widow. You know. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but Frank Gatt, you know, he was again a man of principle, very competent. Uh, he knew how to pick the talent. Like he picked Stan because yeah. he knew what Stan mm. could do. He mm. picked all the agents that were very, uh, uh even M- uh, Emmon uh, Emmondor who died eventually, yeah. right? Like yeah. Emmondor also yeah. was a talented agent. Like, yeah. all these guys, he surrounded himself with competent agents that would do their jobs well. It's just that mm. the KGB guys were even, uh, just were hidden. Yeah. You know, they couldn't see what was coming, you know. Yeah, That's yeah. I mean, Stan, la. even before the show, in the first episode, we heard that Stan was embedded in a white supremacy yeah. group for like three years, yeah. you know. 
Like he's clearly a talented agent. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, the one other thing that I wanted to mention was, I mean, among all the characters, was the pastor. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. He's, I mean, even though he might be an annoying character at times, you know, because you know, very preachy sometimes, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and uh, but I feel that his moral compass was so strong. I mean, he didn't even realize. I mean, he got a job in uh, South America in the end, right? Yeah, kind of like uh, grease the wheels for that. <laughs> yeah. Um but I felt that he, uh, he was lucky because. Uh, Philip kind of made sure that nobody killed him, lah. Yeah. Yeah, specifically Elizabeth, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so close. Yeah, so yeah. close at times. Right. And finally, obviously, the two handlers. Oh my uh, god! I was just about to ask about yeah, that. the two character handlers. actress Margot Martindale. <laughs> yes, character actress Margot Martindale, who who has such a fantastic storied career. It's insane. The number yeah. of roles that she's played also got beaten up by Elizabeth. <laughs> also got beaten up by also, Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think Gabriel uh, avoided that fate just because he's such a nice, sweet man. Yeah, and he movie. got her. He got them first, so you know. Yeah, he, like, he bred them up. You know. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I, I, I feel like the differences between the handlers like was a very kind of like interesting, yes. uh, relationship dynamic to kind of see, right? Like especially with. Um, Elizabeth's kind of like uh, I I guess mommy issues <laughs> with, mm. with Julia and um uh, and um uh, Philip's kind of like issues with Gabriel as well, mm-hmm. you know yep. uh, like those were some of the, like very very tense moments, moments that felt high stake but they all take place like in a dining room, you know while they're yeah. sitting down over tea and cookies and it's it's insane how well uh well acted and how nuanced those scenes were mm-hmm. and some of my favorite parts very honestly i was so sad to see gabriel go um mm, but, yeah, but at enough. the same time it made sense both in terms of the story and in terms of like where the narrative was at that you need yeah. to bring back julia to like totally like fuck shit up yeah oh my god so good yeah yeah uh, you, i mean uh, not remember... julia claudia claudia yeah. sorry sorry but this is just a side note okay Mm-hmm. Fast one. Yeah. Do you remember there was this one handler that was handling another family? Yes, yeah, that family that got killed. Right, right. It? And then we found out that why actually it was the son that killed everybody. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Remember that 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 handler that handler is in for all mankind, right? Is basically uh the head of NASA. Uh Mago, yeah. Mago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I told you everyone from For All Mankind. <laughs> Is is from the American. <laughs> I mean, uh, Arcadia is a is a cosmonaut there as well. <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah. Uh, it's insane. Um. Uh, so yeah. So that's again side note. But one of the things that uh I actually really enjoyed right is that the fog of war is real. Yeah. The mm. one thing is that the the top the the top ranks of uh the USSR, the Politburo, the head of the center, people we don't see at all. Yeah. They have this they have they always have weird or like mistranslations or something like they always have the wrong information in terms mm-hmm. of like what the Americans are trying to plan. And mm. you have, you know, Philip having to correct them la, all the time. Therefore his information coming in is so crucial. Like when uh when Ronald Reagan was shot. Yeah. And the whole the and, and, and the KGB, I mean the KGB was thinking that there was gonna be a coup. You know, mm. because of the way that one of the generals spoke and one of the senators spoke, you yes. know, and and you know they didn't understand the nuance of American politics. 
therefore yeah. having this weird thing because they thought it was like USSR politics like you know where there's <laughs> going to be a purge you know they they're, mm. they're going to you know there's a coup the generals are going to take over you know that kind of thing and then Philip had to like quickly get the information over like dude relax Regan's still alive <laughs> everything's fine you know uh yeah they, this is where Philip's uh, immersion into American culture comes in handy <laughs> for them yeah and then so yeah so this kind of things like it was lucky that you had like illegals there to like give you the correct information of what's happening. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, Spycraft is essentially a game of phone, right? Yes, yes, you know? yes. And, and, and the message gets more diluted the further up the, the flagpole. There you go. Yeah. Um, it's also actually really relatable. I think, I think we all have worked under people like far up, right? Who just doesn't know what's going yeah. on on the ground. Yeah. Um, and then they think they know, but actually we know better because we're actually on the ground and they don't want to listen to us. Yeah. It's, Frustrating in a way. Um, it is obviously not relatable in this context, no, uh, but no, no. also relatable in many contexts because we all have <laughs> shitty bosses. <laughs> those shitty bosses, you know, or like, like I mean, when I was in police, like, all my bosses at the top were just university graduates who never like you know done a patrol in their lives, like, and are trying to make new policies or rejiggering context of you know our workload and stuff like that, and they just have no idea what's going on. I think it's the same for every country, like, from America to the USSR yeah. to everywhere else, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's great. I'm glad that you brought up the pastor, Hardy, because um, let's talk about the Jennings children now, which is a huge point of division within the fan base and viewers of the Americans in general. Yeah. Um, Paige and Henry are ostensibly Americans. They were born and raised mm-hmm. knowing nothing of their parents and their hidden lives. Mm-hmm. Um, they see the late-night excursions. They see the stress their parents go through. Uh, but the excuse of a travel agency and mystery clients um, are always at the ready to fix any discrepancies uh, that that uh, the children might think of. Yep. You know, um, Henry is almost an afterthought for most of the series. Yes. He befriends Stan or at a friend's house and it's, it's kind of missing for stretches at the time. Mm-hmm. But as the final season looms, he becomes more prominent and it's actually used very effectively at the end right yeah. there. They yeah. kind of fix the Henry problem right at the end. Yeah. Uh, Paige, on the other hand, um, is a massive focus of the show. Massive since season one. Mm-hmm. Um, her turn to religion and in time, the revelation of the secret of her family mm-hmm. and her piece-by-piece movement into the life of a spy is a fascinating development yeah. that I think no other show would have done. Um, this shatters her perception of her parents mm-hmm. and all the lies over her entire life up to that point and the slow shift into seeing the world differently yep. and eventually becoming a part of that life mm-hmm. felt very gradual, never forced. Yeah. It felt very organic, mm-hmm. you know. Um, that life, of course, will always have casualties. Like, you know, yeah. um, it was a near silent war that could be felt every season. You know, Nina, for example, was a big casualty of it. But mm-hmm. I think Paige didn't understand what she was getting into, but wanted to be part of something her parents uh, wanted to be closer to her parents, and this was the way that she could do yep. it, right? Um, so from the beginning, um, most people kind of hated Paige. I saw her as a whiny teen, got angst, sure. uh, obstacle to their. Uh, p- obstacle to our protagonist, the parents. Uh, <laughs> so she s- saw her as an annoying obstacle, you know. Yeah. And then Hardy, you kind of alluded uh, to this a bit earlier as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think I know where you stand on this. But what about you, Aisa? How did how did you see Paige and her progression? Were you as frustrated with her as most viewers were? Uh, for the record, I was never. I always saw her as like, this is what a normal kid would do. Yeah, yeah. They wrote they wrote her entirely perfectly. Yeah, like she was. She this is. 
genuinely, this is what any kid in that situation would do. I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, what about you, Isa? Like, what do you think about the whole uh, Peach controversy? I guess. I think I lean a little bit more towards uh, how you feel, hits because, um, it, if I put myself in Paige's shoes, right, I totally understand. You are a smart kid. You're observant, right? Something doesn't add up somewhere, and like with everything that's going on in a teen's like mind and body, right? Like mm-hmm. for you to act out in that way is totally understandable. Uh, yep. you know, and like given how brilliant Paige is played, um, you know, and and of course later on, like as she transitions into the craft of it itself, right? You get to see so many moments of that. Like I totally mm-hmm. understand uh why that was. I think also it was less annoying for me because I watched everything at one go. Yep. Right. So like her um to me at least as an audience member, uh her growth rate is definitely not as long drawn as if you were watching this kind of like week to week. So I didn't feel it as badly or as as intensely, I guess. Um, Mm. But suddenly Paige is one of my favorite parts of the show, right? Like I think Mm -hmm. the moment she's told what is going on or whether or not you want to figure, you want to say like she kind of like figure it out. Like that point in time, like Paige becomes one of the most important like chess pieces on the board. Uh, and I was most interested in finding out what happens to Paige, right? Because that is the that is the main complication. That is the main wrench. This is uh, a part of two halves of your life that you can no longer separate and becomes even more complicated. That is a source of conflict and drama and, you know, heartbreak that you cannot ignore. Um, you know, mm. and that was like why, like the shift towards, uh, or or rather, the prominence of Paige within the narrative became so much more interesting, uh, to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, yeah. what about you, Hadi? Uh, what what do you think? I mean, uh, at like okay, my first viewing of 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 the series definitely she annoyed the hell out of me, because mm. uh, again, I just wanted my you know my protagonist to get through <laughs> this, you know. Like, come on, we have enough problems. But the thing is, again, you know, when you put it like what Isa said, you have to be in her shoes and all that. You realize, okay, there's a lot of things wrong here. Okay. My parents are not around all the time. You know, I'm basically like running the damn house. I'm doing all the cleaning. <laughs> you know, I have to raise this irritating brother of mine. You yeah. know, like, yeah. there's so many, you know, I, I'm struggling with uh, this newfound religion that I, I, I'm into. You know, like, there's mm. so, and, and, and teenage angst also, like, you know. She was mm. going through all this, you know, while her body is changing, her, you know, her, her and, you know, puberty is happening at the same time. Yeah, the, the normal teenage stuff is happening exactly. too, <laughs> alongside the abnormal. <laughs> exactly. So for her to be yeah. crazy is understandable, especially on my second yeah. viewing, mm-hmm. uh, which mm. is a lot re- more recent, uh, where I yeah. see uh, th- there's more sympathy towards Paige at the beginning, and mm-hmm. then the understanding of how beautiful her arc is as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, how she saw religion as a very dogmatic way, a very mm-hmm. black and white and all that stuff, and slowly it becomes grayer as the seasons, the episodes go by. <laughs> until, you know, when uh, she basically finds uh, the journal. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, and that just blows her mind. And, like, she becomes, you know, uh, totally disillusioned with religion. You know, mm. she, she still wants to do something that is... Uh, she still wants to leave an impact on the world and therefore mm-hmm. her mother, you know, really manipulated the situation so well. Yeah. Like yeah. Elizabeth is the greatest manipulator in the world. Yeah. <laughs> like how she got pitched from, you know, knowing that they're Russians to becoming an active KGB agent. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beautifully done. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Um, I mean, Elizabeth is is a great spy. Um, um, I mean, she's great at her work. It makes her a bad mother sometimes. Yes. But also a good spy. And, and I think Paige's descent into the world of spies turned out to be, you know, um, a surprisingly tumultuous and confusing one. And very interesting viewing. Mm-hmm. You know, she's making rookie mistakes and yeah. facing backlash from Elizabeth in the process. Uh, she ended up seeing her mother... Uh, covered in the brains of an army general, yep. uh, leading Philip to say, well, now she's seen everything. <laughs> and um, her mixing of intelligence and a relationship with an intern of a senator led Elizabeth to chastise her. Yep. But when finding out that her mother is doing the same thing and ruining the life of a young man, their, their kind of closeness and relationship is left in tatters. Yeah. And it's the kind of thing that I enjoy watching, you know. Um there is uh, a, there are a lot of victims in the show la, like that I feel more sympathy for now on upon second yeah. viewing mm. than I did at first you know uh, for example I didn't really feel that bad about I mean it's hard to say la, but I think I was younger and I didn't care I, I, I feel uh, infinitely worse for Nina and her character arc, like you were saying you know mm. yeah um, you know I, I realized that the reason she got into trouble was of her own making but you know from the officer to become a du- becoming a double agent and then to be sent to prison in Russia and then being killed, it was a process that you know continually gave you a possibility of hope that she get that she could get out of it, mm-hmm. and then it was dashed, you know, in in a moment. Uh, she felt very important in those early seasons. Um, another prominent casualty that I like to uh, talk about in an emotional sense is Martha Hansen. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the secretary in the FBI's counterintelligence program. Um, her fate and her arc yeah. almost feels incomprehensibly cruel, uh, almost comically cruel sometimes. In how she was tricked into marrying uh, one of Philip's aliases, um, the wig-adorned uh, Clark, mm-hmm. uh, forced to spy on her boss and colleagues. And for multiple seasons, she was oblivious to the goings-on. Uh, just curious about instances of his fake job, but open and welcoming to them until the truth is revealed. Mm-hmm. Um, her shipping off to Russia, a foreign land she knows nothing of, and having to acclimatize is a punishment her character kind of never deserved. Mm-hmm. Uh, though season five kind of ends on a glimmer of hope for her, like, in a, in, like you said, she uh, she adopted a child, uh, something she always wanted. So that was nice, yeah. I guess, you know. Can I... But these are only like a few of the lives that were ruined yes. by the characters in the Americans. Uh, sorry, go ahead. There's one side character that we haven't talked about. Uh, who? The male robot. <laughs> oh yeah oh my god the male robot actually became like a meme yeah. during like live yeah, endings yeah like uh, that was one of the things that I always loved was that the male robot got its own like fandom mm. <laughs> like I mean it was bugged in the end remember the, yeah. no no yeah. Uh, the, the writers actually said that they only made the male robot uh, they, they did the bug plot for the male robot because they realised there was a fandom growing <laughs> around the male robot <laughs> exactly so yeah the male robot was one of those like it got abused by Frank when Frank was pissed, you know. Yeah. And then yeah, again, it, it showed like how uh, insidious the KGB were. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many. Like, the Martha was was infiltrated. The male mm. robot was infiltrated. The computers were infiltrated. Like, mm. like Stan didn't like when Stan looked back. Right, he realized that there was no way that he was going to win. Like everything was yeah. was was compromised. You yeah, know? and it was insane, la. Like, yeah. So yeah. Anyway, male robot was one of my favorites. Also, side characters. I want to talk about like a side character that was had more words. Probably to me, to me, the most uncomfortable thing to watch on the Americans, which is saying something because oh. there's a lot of uncomfortable things uh-huh. to watch. 
um the Kimi subplot. Oh god. Uh, um, oh as, yeah, as, that know, was so uncomfortable. That that you know Philip is faced with this moral dilemma at Elizabeth's request. Uh, I might add, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to not only seduce or befriend um a girl who's clearly underage, but to also in the end plant drugs on her and use the threat of prison to blackmail her father, mm-hmm. um, a man who has you know information they need lah. The, the turmoil and damage that it does not only to Kimmy but to Philip and Elizabeth's relationship makes it all the more interesting. Um, his choice of not committing to the plan yeah. um, and Elizabeth's retort that he was never going to anyway is a great scene for both characters. It shows her view of his softness in a cold light while his side of the coin is that of compassion and kindness to a young woman over potentially ruining her life, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the many factors uh, in Phillips' actions that that kind of like rise up amongst the acts of good like in, in the end like philip is more compassionate yeah. and good than elizabeth is uh. um i said like do you have any thoughts about this kimi subplot because i think it became quite a uh, heavy yeah uh, that yeah the, the family said a lot of thoughts about this uh. what about you yeah so i i think for kimi in particular like it was very clear especially when uh philip first initiates kind of contact right like already that is like there were there were moments in time where the extras who were playing Kimi's friends were just kind of like, uh, who is this weird, like much, much Old older man. guy? Why is he hanging yeah. out with us? Other than then the weed comes out and then everything becomes okay. Um Yeah. You know, uh, but really like that kind of like raises eyebrows and um Philip's reluctance from the very beginning, right, to use Kimi as kind of like um the the plant sauce, yeah, as a source yeah. for that. Uh it I think it establishes very clearly um uh, Philip's where where Philip's place uh, places children within his moral sphere, right? Uh, and that to me, like the highlighting of that, the eventual compromise, and like honestly, like fucking Elizabeth Savage as like you just wanted to fuck her, right? Oh, uh, yeah, we thought I was just like, wow, that is like some next level shit. Um, you know, they've gone through so many arguments, and both of them have never been kind to each other. Uh, mm-hmm. when when that kind of push comes to shove, um, yeah, yeah, the Kimi thing, yeah, super uncomfortable. Uh, you know, even if like many years have passed and she has come of age, right? No matter yeah. how you look at it, right? Uh, sure, you're using her as a source, but it's essentially grooming, you know. Yep. And something yep. that I think, um, I I think it shouldn't have needed for Stan to tell, uh, him about the career's murder in front of their kid for Philip to make that decision, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I think at that point in time, because Philip is so far removed from everything on the ground as far as being uh, illegal uh, is, mm. right? He was coming to the point where he thought like, you know what? I may actually be a good person and that put him in his place. Uh, mm. You know, and then like, because I, I do, I remember reading like some fans um, had issues with like his sudden switch to the, oh, you know, I'm going to go to Chicago. I'm going to help you out with that. And, and all that jazz and I don't know if it's so much really if he, he wanted to help uh, Oleg and Akadi as much as it was like you know what I'm kind of fucked up myself uh, yep. <laughs> I need to like kind of like get shit together again right but so much of that relationship and so much of the conversations that they have Kimi has some of the most insightful uh, conversations with uh, Philip right mm. uh, like you are yeah. a stuck man you know, uh, those were one of the things that I so resi- uh, resonated with me a lot. I was just like, how does this kid know that, right? 
Yep. Like, this is layer upon layer. At the point in time when he's with Kimi, that's three layers removed from who he actually is. Uh, but she sees into him, right, with such insight that it's kind of scary, you know? At which point, yep. like, I, if I were Phil, I was just like, holy shit, like, this girl knows I need to be careful, right? But it never quite gets there, lah. So unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah, you know. Glad uh, he made the decision uh, in the end. Yeah, me too. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, some last like kind of three subplots that I kind of want to talk about before we delve into the finale, um, which I think was was quite perfect. Um, I think when um, uh, when Philip is forced to spy on Elizabeth, yeah. oh wow, uh, was a great subplot, and it, uh, it leads to further breakdown in communication between the two. Yeah, um, yeah. Her, her stress and tightness and betrayal. Uh, that he would he would leave that life you know behind factor you know um, into her becoming uneasy with uh, filling in the whole picture for him leading them to become I guess practically strangers like Again, at one point you yeah. Know? yeah 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 um and it leads to her testing Paige in in a way testing Elizabeth you know um it's 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 all very very good stuff um I I really like the subplot of uh, Philip and the long-standing employee that he fired mm-hmm. yeah uh, uh, there was that was really really Yes, um, um, Elizabeth and the dying artist's wife. Um, oh. her accepting the painting from her was actually one of the best Elizabeth moments I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, in the entire show, um, there was actually all like just this little small little things. Uh, some of the best parts of overall. Yeah. Uh, a moment made out of these great shows. Yeah. Uh, do you have any particular character moments or scenes that? stick out to you as your favorites uh let's begin with you uh isa uh well since we talked about male robot right elizabeth's yeah. conversation with the uh, the lady in the factory the male robot factory mm. yeah it's one of my favorite scenes yes yep. the old lady right yeah the old lady yeah that was incredibly powerful wow right? and, yeah, yeah yeah and like having now now in its entirety looking at that like that was such an important moment when it happened in the context of what was going on in their lives at that point uh that i really really kind of like that was really something um um uh, philip and elizabeth getting married uh yeah um properly i guess uh was mm-hmm. also another like very key moment for me in terms of like where they were as characters um, yep. as well and um, I mean everything this entire show ha- is chock full of amazing moments but mm-hmm. those two in particular were so evocative I think is the best way to, to, to kind of explain of uh, it were, they were quiet moments that captured exactly where these characters were at the point in their lives uh, it was so powerful I love those two uh, what about you Hadi? <sighs> I mean sorry but this was uh, cut into a bit of the finale that we're going to talk about, but Stan sure. finding out. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Great moment. Yeah, like him, you know, catching them red-handed in a parking lot, and that mm-hmm. that betrayal on his face. You know that that sense of like utter sadness. You know, and yeah, Philip and him having to, and then him kind of acknowledging that Philip is his best friend, and Philip kind of acknowledging, <laughs> yeah, you're my best friend too. <laughs> like it was so sad. It was like. Ah, these guys are best friends. You know? It's like that. Um, just different worlds, you know. And it just like I there was no reconciliation anymore. Like, mm. ah, it was so sad. Like, because it was such a really well defined friendship over the seasons. Yeah, like mm. Philip was there for his his divorce. You know, Philip was there. Uh, he was there when 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 uh, things were going bad with Elizabeth. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, and yep. they were there for each other, you know, like and, and I mean they only had one fight where when when Philip stupidly went to go and talk to his ex wife lah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he found out and they had a little fight, right? Yeah. yeah. But after that, you know, they were great friends, you know, and everything you know, there, there, there was another moment before that where uh Stan asked like, is something wrong? And Oh, on the porch, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and then and then like how Philip wanted to say, like you could tell that he wanted to tell Stan everything at that moment. Yeah. And like he just held back and decided to go with the whole business thing and that how his business is a failure and all that stuff. Mm. You know, but like, oh my god, the, the relationship between these two guys was one of my favorite relationships. Mm. And, yes. and yes. that last scene where, you know, basically him begging for his life, like begging for him to let go because of the fate of the world. Like, God damn, that's so heavy, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, everything in Stan, you know, wants to like, bring them in, you know, like, you know, like, enough with this, like, shenanigans, you know, enough with all this, uh, uh, like, clandestine bullshit, you know, like, you all are arrested, mm. you know, but then, you know, Philip, like, using his, that, 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 that relationship he has with Stan and, and, and arguing that, look, the fate of the world really depends on this message going to Russia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, in the end of it, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, that was my favorite, my favorite scene, la, that, that last scene between the, yes, the, the uh, Oh gosh, uh, definitely, man. Um, one of my favorite scenes I've already talked about, um, Phil screaming at Paige about, about the Bible <laughs> yeah. was, uh, it, it's very memorable to me. I remember it like to this day. Like, I haven't seen that scene in, in ages, but I remember it like quite vividly. Yeah. Um, another moment that I remember very vividly is um, what I would call, I think, the Americans' mountain and the viper moment in the sense oh. that it was the grossest moment of mm. the show. Um, it was Philip, Elizabeth, and their Pakistani asset, Yusuf, yeah. oh. uh, breaking the bones oh, of no. a new dead woman to fit her into a suitcase. Oh, yeah. my God almighty. Um, it was a really stomach-churning it scene. Yeah. Uh, something that kind of like, it, the Americans isn't a gore fest or something, like that, but that was very gory, man. Oh, yeah. my God. Uh, yep. uh, I, I even think it put the mountain and the viper to shame. Like, it was very, very, very so gory. Graphic. Yeah. There were a couple uh, of scenes uh, that were really kind of like that way. I think like uh, Elizabeth um, choking the, the sick woman with the brush. Yeah. That was yeah. And, and then uh, the, the thing but is that was like, like messy I, though. Yeah, for sure. But I mean like the actual like visual image of what was going on was like yeah. really quite something. Uh, I realized, like, as you were bringing that up, uh, hits like it, yep. it's so strange to me that the fitting the woman into the suitcase felt so much more visceral than yeah. um, uh, Philip using the axe to cut oh up, to cut off um, the the dead agent. Yeah, the dead angel's yeah. body, uh, and that it, that felt strange to me. Uh, you know, uh, because there was something about like the cooperation of three people doing that that was mm-hmm. like far more like. Ugh, then, then you know, uh, where just they cutting off the head and yeah. the hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Another thing that I wanted to mention. Um. But this one not as gory, but weirdly sexual. Uh. Uh-huh. Was um Philip uh pulling Elizabeth's tooth uh from season oh, three. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, because she got injured by uh Gat and the black guy. Yeah. 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 Um. This is essentially a scene of one spy pulling another spy's tooth out with a pair of pliers. You know, which could be. 
brutal and gory, but it was really also a scene of passion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the eye contact, it felt like weirdly sensual and sexual and also painful. Yeah, that was how he screamed, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've never seen, like, I've never seen a sex scene like this. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was it was very well well done. Uh, and also because like there were so many, it felt like a, a weird microcosm of what the Americans is like, and what Phillips and Elizabeth relationship is, you know. Yeah. The, the, the pain underneath all that passion. Uh. Um, yeah, I mean, so good. Uh, let's talk about the finale now, which I think, sure. I think, I think all FX shows have had perfect finales so far, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, the Americans finale really, really stands out to me, man. Mm-hmm. It, it was uh, one of the best prestige drama endings that I've, I've ever seen. And it found the Jennings on the run, um, setting up the pieces to flee the lives that they have held for several decades. Yep. Um, it, it was in this episode where in a parking garage, like Hardy mentioned, the Jennings, Paige included, mm-hmm. come face to face with Stan that knows, a Stan that knows everything. Uh, this moment has been a long time coming, um, full of, Six seasons of tension and almost heartbreak over a closeness that has hinged on lies and deceits and cruelty. Mm-hmm. Um, Stan, he has his gun trained on his best friend Philip, says as much, comparing his life to a joke mm-hmm. for what they've done to him. He calls them killers, to which Elizabeth scoffs, and they say that they never partook in such things. Uh, something that all parties <laughs> was a complete yeah. lie. Um, Philip, in this instance, has the look of a person at their end, begging not for himself, but for the sake of his family. Or Stan's decision, or lack of a decision to allow them to pass him by um, and escape, completely dumbfounded over his entire uh, life and career that has been created and destroyed, um, along with the information that his new love could also possibly be a spy. Um, Stan will never be able to trust a single person for the (laughs) remainder of his days. And it's kind of a a cruel punishment for a man who's just kind of trying to do the best thing possible yeah. most of the time, outside of the cheating on his wife part. Um, the escape to Canada and eventually Russia culminates with Paige deciding to stick behind, yeah. much to her parents' shock, uh, with them watching her standing at a train station as the train passes by. It, it remains to this day one of the most memorable um, images that the, the Americans has ever um, crafted. Elizabeth's utter shock and devastation to this deserves... Uh, Kara also deserves every award that she's eligible for oh, for yeah. this moment as a mother knowing that she'll never see a child again in a single moment. Yeah. Um, uh, Henry too is lost to them, left at his school, only to be told by Stan at hockey practice what his parents truly are. Um, in the plane ride across continents, the, the kind of touchstone of art and life comes to Elizabeth again mm-hmm. in the form of a dream, you know, kind of waking up surrounded by art. Mm-hmm. But all her focus... Uh, falls on a picture of Paige and Henry and then she wakes up suddenly. Mm-hmm. Uh, that final moment where Philip and Elizabeth finally in Russia are looking out over the city and wondering about choices that they've made in life yeah. and that life has made for them is a wonderful end to the series, you know. Um, Elizabeth kind of considers a different path but their minds turn back to their children again. The Americans and how they are no longer children, they're grown up. It's a painful reminder that the show had both children literally grow up in the midst of all of these tensions and dangers, mm, yep. and they are now abandoned forever. Whatever fate awaits the, uh, awaits the pair in Russia is anyone's guess, um, especially after defying the center. And it's kind of left the mystery wisely. Mm-hmm. But their loss of family is an important factor. Um, and while it is endlessly depressing, 
I think uh, everyone ended up alive, so it's kind of a happy ending. But everyone kind of ended up dead inside too. Yeah. Everyone has like you know um has to bear the cost of what they've done. Like even if they are alive, you know. Uh, what do you think about the ending, Isa? Having having been the most recent of us to watch this. Oh man, I mean, like what a what a pitch perfect ending. Uh, in in terms of just making sure that all the characters got what they needed. Right, like yeah. even though like I'm just super curious what Paige is going to be up to, right? Mm-hmm. I'm super mm. curious like what Henry is going to grow up into being, how Stan is going to like, you know, live with the consequences of his decision all the way at the at the end there at the garage, right? Um, what struck me the most, I think, is this the moment as um Philip and Elizabeth are standing over that kind of like looking over the city, right? And they they uh, muse to themselves what life could have been like if they had not gone over to yep. the States. And it's so strange to me and, and a very kind of like aptly uh, appropriate summation that even at that point, right, that their lives could have been so different, Elizabeth imagines that they might have met on a bus somewhere, yeah. right? And that to me felt like such a great, closing note for like the entirety of their personal relationship with each other you know from like colleagues who are kind of like forced to play husband and wife to actually become yep. husband and wife to becoming uh you know divorced. Um, divorced and then rivals and and all of that kind of like summed up in this one amazing afterthought um mm. that, that elizabeth muses at that moment because mm. uh, there's so much to consider as they're kind of standing there right uh, yeah. and yeah I'm just wondering um, you know if if it were to come back where would they go from there uh, it at once answers so many questions and, and closes so many things but leaves so much open for you to kind of like bring the story with you as your imagination uh, would like mm-hmm. yeah yeah, and it's it's actually shockingly non-explosive. Like it wasn't like a big action mm. sequence shootout kind of thing, you know. Yeah. And I and that there was never what Americans was. So I'm really really glad that Americans ended in this way. Uh what about you, Heidi? What do you think about the finale, the series finale? Oh, um, it was a beautiful ribbon to this whole present. Uh, yeah. It. Yeah. I mean, it succinct, succinctly, succinctly. Succinctly, yes. Succinctly, that one, that word. Uh, yeah. Put an, uh, you know, put a closure. I mean, it, it give closure to a lot of things that have been happening throughout the entire series. Uh, we, we're done. When I mean, Pages' story goes on, maybe mini series. Who knows? Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that'll be fun. Uh, it was a perfect finale. I feel because. Uh, right now the fog of war is cleared everybody knows what's happening mm-hmm. you know like the FBI now has a clear picture of what was happening throughout this entire time you know and how how uh, how devious the KGB were throughout this entire <laughs> period of time uh, the fact that Dennis came in with the two sketches of Philip and Elizabeth and, and like finally like perfect sketches of them yeah, yeah. You know, after all this time, it's been like shitty sketches. And finally, because <laughs> of the, the father, the, 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 the priest, mm-hmm. who saw them, you know, without all the, the disguises and all them, was able to, to sketch a proper, uh, was able to give a proper description of who these two people were. Yeah. And Dennis just looking at it and look, showing Stan and saying that, Stan, you know, like, I'm so sorry I doubted you. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, 
too late. <laughs> They're gone. Oh man. And and then he was stand saying that how he like I don't know whether this he really meant it, but then he said uh that if he sees Phillips again he's gonna kill him. Yeah. Yeah. So I I mean I don't know whether he's saying that to throw off that he actually already encountered Philip. Mm-hmm. Or was that a real like, you know, uh thing that he was gonna do la? Yeah. Uh, it might be both. Uh, yeah. Then the other thing was that, you know, there, there was this whole Rene thing. Like, there's a Rene mm-hmm. scene of him oh and Stan God. and Rene, and then Stan just looking at Rene. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know what he was thinking in his head? Yeah. Uh, he's like, I have to do a background check immediately. <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and the rest, like, you know, Paige on that platform was so beautifully shot. You know, I loved how, like, uh, that that you that panic on on Elizabeth's face, you know, as she mm. she stood up and started to run across the the train. Yeah. Oh my god. You know, and uh, yeah, and finally, beautiful ending scene. Uh, I think Isa said most of it lah. Um, mm. Beautifully done, and you know how they managed to get the message to Akadi lah. That yeah. bro, there is you know there's there is a plot. <laughs> Confirming yep. the plot and yeah, I I do like the dream that uh she had on the plane, uh mm-hmm. the one with Gregory, mm. yes, like that was her first love like I mean she was always in love with Gregory, and yep. you know Gregory's death and all that uh I think was one of that pivotal moments that changed Elizabeth's uh outlook on this whole thing la. yeah uh yeah so yeah to 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 have that little note that yeah la, she was in love with Gregory like she still is like. Misses him, yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Whatever it yes. is, yeah. Again, perfect ending. Uh, no complaints at all on how this series ended. I'm even cool with the idea that that Paige never really spells out why she leaves. She has so many reasons to stay. So many reasons to stay behind that you don't need to know yeah, the exact yeah, yeah, yeah. reason, right? Of yeah. Um, I've and also there's this idea that is losing both of their kids, being shamed by Stan, mm-hmm. and returning to a country that neither fully, you know that. That doesn't really, you know, like they, like it feels like Elizabeth and Philip escape justice or punishment. Not really, you know? mm-hmm. but is losing both of their kids a justified punishment? If you're looking at this as like a family story, then losing your children because of the decisions you made with your career, uh. the lies you told them, the my, many many ways you prioritize everything else in the world over them, yep. feels yeah. largely in keeping the ideas of the tale. Right? Yeah, it could be worse for them, and it, honestly, it should be worse for Philip and Elizabeth, but. The looks on their faces as they see Paige on the train platform and the pain in their voices as they say goodbye to Henry um, and the sheer exhaustion and self-loathing in Phillips' voice as he explains to Stan why he did what he did for as long as he did makes it clear that they're far from getting cool. off scot-free. Um, yeah. They've ruined plenty of lives yeah. and their own lives are part of that too. They ruined their own lives, yeah. You're right. Yes. Um, um, I think one more thing also is that they actually came back to a country that they don't re- no longer recognize. Recognize. They spend their entire adult lives in America. Yeah, and the country that they they thought was the USSR, right at that moment when they were at the bridge, right? Uh, yeah. That was also the time period of Gorbachev. Gorbachev. Uh, yeah. You know, the USSR yeah. collapsing. You know, yeah. and a new, the new Russian Federation we know today, lah. Coming out from that, yeah. So yeah, like what have they done all this for? You exactly, know? because at the end of the day, the USSR is still done, gone. They lost, like, in the they end, lost. essentially. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, what a what a tragic ending for both of them. Uh, although, like, they they actually truly deserve much worse for all the of things course, that they've done. The people uh, they mm-hmm. kill, a lot of yeah. people, like innocent people, like the there was that that uh 
Botanis or something that they killed mm, was trying uh, to the, actually build. Yeah, the bug guy. The bug guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so I think at the end of the show, I think Paige eventually joins the FBI. Uh, she'll be a great counterintelligence agent seeing you know, that she knows shit. Um, I think that Philip doesn't last with Elizabeth. Nah, yeah. I think and they'll go separately. Yeah. I, I think Philip ends up back with Martha and Ooh. her adopted daughter. Oh my god, that's so interesting. Uh, are you of the uh, opinion that, that Philip fell in love with Martha in the end? I think he, he did. did. I mean, uh, the, 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 I mean, apart from the guilt that he felt for, uh, for putting Martha into this situation, I, I honestly yeah. think mm-hmm. that there was real feelings there. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that they adopt Gabriel too. Hopefully. Um, uh-huh. and, yeah, and I think Elizabeth goes back into the KGB. Uh, I think she's still a spy to her way. She's <laughs> perhaps the the new Claudia right now. Oh my mm, god! Probably. Oh, probably. by the way, we forgot uh, about Philip's son. Yeah, oh. this weird, like, very short story arc. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. where he traveled oh. all the way from the USSR to to America, and then uh, yeah, said, you no. can go fuck off. <laughs> you can go fuck back off. Gabriel's like, sorry, yeah. man, bye. Uh, and I Philip didn't even know about it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, where well, do you think Henry's at? Hits in your little kind Stand of like now. hit cannon. Whoa. I think Henry's a Stan. Yeah. Stan's yeah. So uh, adopted, Stan adopted him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think for me, I always think that because of the way it ends for Henry, right, he eventually goes to look for his parents. Um, mm. Just wow. to get some answers via, I don't know, either by joining the FBI or something along those lines. I don't know if Paige necessarily joins the FBI. She might go CIA. Um, mm. But yeah. Yeah. I think that's totally. She's like, more forgiving for uh, tre- uh, treasonous people. Yep. Exactly mm. right because uh, yeah. like she she's beneficial right she's already been taught in the in some of the craft at least mm-hmm. you know so I mean uh, variety I of like I like this fan fiction I like oh yeah absolutely I I I really just want to see like please whoever the TV gods out there please have a spin off <laughs> with just Paige and her adventures on her own because like I will watch the shit out of that <laughs> um, yeah um it's it's, it's actually kind of weird. Like, Um, it's actually kind of weird that that you guys said that because um, the whole thing with um, with, Kara Russell obviously came to prominence with a show called Felicity um, a college uh, drama sitcom kind of thing that happened back in the late 90s uh, famously created and written by Gigi Abrams, who wanted Carrie Russell to be the lead of Alias. Mm. She was unavailable, so she, he, they got Jennifer Garner instead. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, Carrie Russell finally got to play as Pyla in a much better show than Alias ever was. Mm-hmm. After this. But yeah, Carrie Russell was actually supposed to be the lead of Alias after Felicity, but she never got to be that ah, spy. Okay. Uh, she she did it now. Um, you know, um, Speaking of a, a, a Garner, um, if, you've, if you've watched Ozark and you realise how good Julia Garner is. Yeah. This is where she came from. This is why I first noticed Julia Garner. Like, yeah. uh, she's been amazing since day one. Uh, she's the the only thing about Ozark that is like worth watching. <laughs> um, and she's gone into movies now, so like good Before on her. her. Yeah, yeah. Um, man. Um, final thoughts about the Americans. Uh, before we kind of wrap up the episode here. Uh, let's begin with you, Hardy. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Uh, I you know I I recently rewatched the entire series. Yeah, uh, and I can say that I miss this kind of like. Uh, I mean, I think Better Call Saul is the only thing that right now mm. that has that kind of quality. Uh. Mm-hmm. Even that's ended. Yeah, and that's yeah. just ended. Yeah, 
Yep. <sighs> I'm gonna miss this kind of shows. <laughs> FX actually has a lot of these kind of shows, so you know you can. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look through them again. Sure. Um. Yeah. Um. What about you, uh, Isa? Final thoughts. Oh man. Uh. I think any self-professed spy fan needs to watch mm. The American. Hundred percent. Right? Um, you know, it, it's one of those things that, I mean, you, you may not necessarily have a, a huge light of like the process and all of that, right? Like that kind of storytelling necessarily. Uh, but I feel if you don't, uh, if you only watch like the big block, blockbuster hits, your Mission Impossibles, your, your Born Identities and such like that, you're only really getting half the story, right? Uh, and like, and and the half of the story that you're not getting to me after watching the Americans is the more important half. Mm. Mm. Yeah, um, I think for me, when you think about spy dramas, um, I think some in other spy dramas, like we're talking about Twenty Four Homeland or Bourne or James Bond yep. or Mission Impossible, the best moments are always when a mysterious conspiracy suddenly becomes clear and the audience sees the devious plotting laid bare in the third act. Yeah. It's the flip for the Americans. The best moments of the Americans are when whatever conspiracy the characters are working on <laughs> reveals something about their inner lives. Yep. Yeah. It's not about the plot itself, but their reaction to the plot and what that tells us about ourselves and what that tells us about the characters. Yep. The most compelling scenes are not the ones that take place in safe houses or the Jennings' house, but you know, it's, it's more very quiet domestic drama type of scenes, uh, yeah. which is kind of why I love the Americans. This was an FX prestige drama that may have flown under the radar. Mm-hmm. Um, almost every year that it was out, it missed out on the Emmys. Um, it has won a Peabody Award and multiple television critic awards. Yeah. And, and Margot Bantido has won uh, for <laughs> guest starring roles. Uh, but that's just Margot. Like, she wins every year for Everything. a million roles <laughs> yeah. that she's been in. You know? Everything she does. Uh, um, yeah, it was received with glowing, nearly rave reviews. Um, and I think it deserved every one of them. So yeah, uh, kudos to the Americans. You can check it out on Disney Plus right now. Um, all six seasons available for streaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, really great stuff. So uh, to end this episode is uh, what I like to call, you know, what's making us happy. So um, let's begin with Hadi here. Oh. You know, um, have you seen any, seen, heard, listened, read anything that you like to shout out to our audience um, for your recommendations this August? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh... What have I been watching right now that gives me a lot of happiness? Mm-hmm. This sounds weird as fuck, right? Yep. Uh, but I think Yellowstone has been quite interesting. Oh. The, sp- the spin-off or the original? Original, show? original. The original show, okay. <laughs> I mean, I've been catching up on it. You know, this rich mm-hmm. rancher and his, uh, you know, all these problems in middle America. Sure. I don't know. Something about it, I just like, uh, uh, I agree with you, but it, do you feel like it plotting wise? I'm not saying settings or uh-huh. anything. Plotting wise, it just feels like Sons of Anarchy. On it one. is, <laughs> yes. That's why yeah. I think I, I kind of like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of that. Uh, because you know you have the gang of uh, mm-hmm. the cattle ranch ranchers, right? Yeah, and all these enemies outside of them, like you know, yeah, it's a whole like um tribalism thing that uh is always fun to watch, I guess. Mm, yeah. Mm. Apart from that, uh, yeah, I'm not watching much nowadays. Apart from all the wrestling and all the sci-fi stuff that we will be covering in genre, la. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess we'll delve into like all the yeah, space of wrestling exactly, in genre. genre. So I don't, I don't mention that here. 
Uh, what about you, Aisa? Anything this August making you happy? Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, shout out in particular because we're already going to talk about Sandman in about a week or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to mm. the special episode that came out. Uh, so, if you're listening yeah. to this and you've watched Sandman and you don't already know there was a special episode, episode 11 came out. Yep. Please go and check that out. I thought that was excellent. It was. Uh, mm-hmm. Just like a nice little teaser that just came, came out of nowhere uh, that adds to the world of that. Uh, outside of that, I think I've been more or less just like trying to catch up on the anime that I need to review for the next time I do Anime Corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. A lot of like, um, a lot of uh, continuing anime, uh, a lot of season threes and season fours from extremely popular anime have been back, like Overlord, for example. Um, the oh. Overlord is now a manager. Overlord is back. Yeah, Overlord is back. Uh, halfway through the season now, actually. Oh, nice. Um, so, like, this season has been stocked full of, like, old favorites that are coming back that I personally have enjoyed watching before. So, you know, it's catching up with that and also making sure I do my due diligence <laughs> with everything else for um, Sorry, I, ha- I have one. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, please. Sorry, go I totally for forgot. Uh, Woodstock 99. <laughs> yeah, the clusterfuck. Yeah, Holy yeah, was, shit, yeah. that was crazy. Yeah. Uh, it made me uh, uh you know I I want to apologize to Jaru uh because <laughs> Fire Festival not as fucked up as Woodstock 99 man. Nope. Are you only learning about Woodstock 99 because of this documentary? Uh yeah because I was very young I was not never really privy to that that Oh kind. you weren't in like the you weren't in the new metal scene yeah, right, at that time. Because Limp Bizkit yeah. and all right featured on Woodstock. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Firefest was fine. Nobody got raped. Nobody exactly. got murdered. Exactly, this it's was fine. like a yeah, riot yeah. and like fire and a uh, lot of the flies kind of situation, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. that was an interesting documentary that I thought uh, I watched. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of interesting documentaries, um, out right now at the projector, mm-hmm. uh, is Fire of Love, which is a stunning documentary chronicling the marriage and careers of volcanologists uh, Katya and Maurice Kraft. Uh, these two uh, volcanologists, they dedicated their lives to roaming the planet uh-huh. and chasing eruptions everywhere in the world until they died in the 1991 volcanic eruption. Oh, I know um, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, as the film illustrates, this very unconventional couple leaves behind an indelible legacy of breathtaking footage that they took literally on the precipice in, of the mouth of active volcanoes. Yes. They have a treasure trove of scientific discovery um, and their infectious passion for the natural world will really... Uh, it's, it's really buoyant and will really get you into um, you know, geology if you find that type, mm-hmm. that type of stuff boring. Yeah, go watch Fire of Love on the big screen. I highly, re- highly, highly recommend it. It's still on it. projector, it's, is it? It's still at the projector. still available to watch. It was only released on the 11th for this month. So yeah, it's still, it's still pretty Brilliant. Deep. Okay, I think I'm going to do that. Yeah. Definitely. Um, season 2 of uh, Sterling Hayo's uh, Dramedy Reservation Dogs is out now on FX mm-hmm. and Disney+. Plus. Um, really, really love this dramedy about uh, four Native American kids growing up and finding themselves mm-hmm. on a reservation. Um, probably the closest thing to better things that I can find these days. They're very, very different shows, but the storytelling is quite similar. Mm. Um, another show that I want to recommend on HBO right now is Rap Shit, uh, which is about two Gen Z friends. Um... Are they in Gen Z 26? 26 is Gen Z. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, two Gen Z friends who form a rap group in Miami. Um, this is a story of, yeah, just a rap group being formed in Miami. But what's so interesting about this show is the way that it's filmed. Um, 90% of this show, uh, I've never seen a show capture social media and the use of phones as accurately as rap shit. 
because most of the show is shot through Instagram stories, mm. uh, Facebook stories, uh, FaceTimes and Zooms and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it really just goes to show how ubiquitous and how all-consuming screen time is in our in our social dynamics these days. Um, I think Rap Shit is the best part of that. Okay. Um, it's created by Issa Rae, who created Insecure yeah, back in yep, the day. Yep. So this is a really good show. Uh, finally, I got to recommend season three of Never Have, Have I Ever, which is back on Netflix. Machari okay. uh, Ramakrishnan remains, you know, quite a charming gem uh, as the lead in this Mindy Kaling directed, created uh, sitcom about uh, an Indian American teenager finding herself. Uh, in suburban America, it's a very, very, still a very, very good show, and one of the very few shows left on Netflix that is still worth watching. Yeah. Um, get off your ass, Netflix. There's really nothing else to watch, but Never Have I Ever is one of them. So nice. Yeah. Uh, check this stuff out. Um, yeah. Um, we'll be back in a couple of weeks mm-hmm. to talk about genre equality, as Hardy mentioned and Isa mentioned. Also, uh, we'll be talking about the Sandman. Yeah, man. Um, me and Hardy will be talking about for all mankind. Uh, we'll yes. be talking about praise. Yeah. Um, actually, lots of good stuff coming up here. Man, uh, nope, pray. as well is out there as well. Yeah. Uh, have you seen uh Nope, Hardy? Ah. Uh, uh, not yet actually, but I'll be watching it this week. Oh, sweet. Okay, yeah. I'm I'm eager to hear what you think of it, lah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it might be one of Jordan Peele's more divisive films. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Like um, that. eager to talk about all of that coming this uh, in less than a week, actually. So yeah. Yeah, we'll see you. Uh, tune. We'll see you next week. Uh, tune in on the first. Uh, is that that's when we drop our genre equality show proper, our flagship show. Um, and then we'll be back next month for another episode of Behold, where we'll talk about. French cult classics all the way from the 50s to modern day. Uh, me and Isa will be covering that yeah, one. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know anything about French. <laughs> French. What? Cult classics. Yeah, no, not my thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, lots of different different types of things are coming up on our genre equality channel. So, a yep. uh, wide variety of stuff that we'll be covering in, in the future. Uh, so, do tune in. Mm-hmm. Uh, till next time, though, this has been Hit Zero. I'm Hardy. I'm Isa. Goodbye, guys. Bye. Ciao.